Uh, Well, this morning we begin a new series, uh, and I don't have one text that I'm preaching out of, but God has ordained that we ought to uh, have the public reading of Scripture. So I want to read a a separate text, an Old Testament reading, from from one that we know well, Psalm 23. So if you turn to Psalm 23, we'll, we'll have the public reading of God's Word, and then we'll begin our topical series on assurance, looking this morning at assurance of salvation. Hear now the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The grass withers, the flowers fade. but The word of God shall stand forever. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for this very... Um, well-known and dear passage to all of us. We thank you, Father, um, that you have sent the Good Shepherd, our Savior, to lay down his life as the perfect Lamb of God that we might find salvation. Now, Lord, as we, as we turn to the topic of assurance of salvation, we pray that your Spirit would move in our midst in a very special way. pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. As I said, this morning we start a topical series on the topic of assurance. As believers in Christ, we can be assured of the many benefits that we have because of our relationship with the Lord, because we are united to Him in all that He has done for us. This morning we're looking at the topic of assurance of salvation, and in the, current, in the coming weeks we'll be looking at the assurance of forgiveness, of victory over sin, of answered prayer and guidance from the Lord. I'm following loosely the structure of a great little pamphlet put out by the Navigators called Lessons on Assurance. You can find it on Amazon, and it's just a fantastic little booklet. I do commend it to you. Assurance of salvation. Did you know that you can this day know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today that you would go to be with the Lord in heaven and not in hell? God has made in His Word it very clear how we can know Jesus and know that we are saved. To know that we are secure in His arms both now and forever. The reality is that many, however, struggle with the topic of assurance of salvation. It's a very common struggle. It's a very common struggle. Even those saints who have walked with Jesus all their lives... And if you find yourself this morning saved and knowing the Lord, but, but struggling with assurance, know that you're not alone. It's a very common struggle. And we need to talk about it. Because there are ways that we can be more assured of what Christ has done for us. In fact, Satan doesn't want us to talk about it. He wants you to continue to doubt your salvation there are two people who, two kinds of people who doubt their salvation, who struggle with assurance of salvation. And the first are those who um, genuinely don't know Jesus. 
Okay, may not know how to be saved. This morning, however, I want to speak to a second group. And that is those who know the Lord, who have confessed their faith in Christ, have repented of their sins and put their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but from time to time in different seasons for different reasons, struggle with assurance of salvation. This isn't a new struggle. We read earlier a selection from the Westminster Confession of Faith. I put it in your bulletin because I'd like you to take it home with you. It's just a wonderful um, uh, paragraph. In, in the 1640s, when uh, what were called the Westminster Divines, that's what pastors were called in those days, uh, got together to put into writing what they thought the Bible said, these were pastors. And they'd seen in their own lives and in the lives of their flock the struggle with assurance of salvation. They, so they spent a good bit of time on this topic. We might define assurance of salvation as um, the absolute certainty, the absolute certainty of the believer that Christ has saved him or her from sin and that eternal life is his or hers. God is their reconciled Father. Heaven is their home. This is Douglas Kelly, a great uh, theologian. Absolute certainty of the, uh, of the believer that Christ has saved him or her from sin and that eternal life is his or hers. God is their reconciled Father. Heaven is their home. And when the Westminster Divines got together in the 1640s, they came up with three letters that are helpful to remind us. I don't think they thought of the letters, but it's a helpful reminder. PCI. The promises of God, a changed life, in the inner testimony of the Spirit. I want you to remember those three letters. That when in seasons of life you struggle with assurance of salvation, you can remember PCI, the promises of God, the changed life, and the inner testimony of the Spirit. These are evidences that God gives us in Scripture, the fact that we are saved, that Christ is ours and we are His. The first is the promises of salvation. Uh, It's pretty clear in Scripture how we are saved and the fact that we can't lose our salvation. Once we are believers, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Nothing. The first promise is that Christ saves vile, wretched sinners like you and me. That there is hope, even as we say in the Apostles' Creed each week, that we believe in the forgiveness of sins. That God has done what we cannot do in order to save us. I love 1 Peter 3.18 on this text, on this topic. 1 Peter 3.18 tells us, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but be made alive in the Spirit. When we read that Christ died for the unrighteous, do you know whom He's talking about? It's me, and it's you. We can't earn our salvation. It's not by works. It's not by being good. It's not by having it all together. It's not being a part of this club or that club or having this car or having this job or not having this job or not having that car. Christ has done what we cannot do. See, apart from what Christ has done, we are unrighteous and we stand separated from God. We stand condemned by God's law because... We have sinned every day in thought and word and deed, in what we think, in what we say, in what we do. 
because of our sin that we have committed, will commit, and are committing, we stand separated from God. And here's the thing. This is what Christ did from us, for us. He, he came, uh, God, the second person of eternity, took on flesh, became man, and, and lived for us, and died for us. And He was separated from the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we who are separated from God might be reconciled to Him and brought to Him. He has paid the price of our sin and He has been separated for us from the Father that we who are separated might no longer be separated from God, that we might be reconciled to Him and have everlasting life. The righteous one, Christ, died for us. The righteous for the unrighteous. And that's why we can read in Acts 10.13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the promise of Scripture. That if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Praise Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's an amazing gift of the Lord. Do you know this gift? Do you personally know this gift? Have you received this gift? As we talk about assurance of salvation, if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know the Lord at all, may today be the day of your salvation. Don't leave this church today without getting right with the Lord. But for those of us who do know the Lord, we are to be reminded of the gospel, of what we've just spoken of. That there's nothing that can separate us from His love because He is the one who has saved us. We can't lose our salvation. Did you know that? There are those in this world who teach that, that you can lose your salvation. That if you have a a particularly bad day today, or if you say yes to a sin that you have long said no to, then, then if you were to die at that moment, then you would go to hell and not to heaven, my friends. That is error. Once we know Jesus, once we are known by Jesus, once we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, Once His his blood has been lavished upon us and our sins have been cleansed, there is nothing that can tear us from the grip of God. Period. And that's because He saves you, you don't save yourself. If you saved yourself, then there would be no assurance of salvation. If it were up to you and your good works to make it to heaven, you could never know if you were to die today that you would go to heaven. You could never know. Because you can never know if you've done enough. But I can tell you now, you haven't. None of us have. But the thing is, God saves us. We don't save ourselves. Salvation belongs to the Lord and it is His good and godly gift that He gives to us. When we think of salvation, we don't think of God here and us hanging on to God. But you know that lactic acid starts building up in that wrist real fast and you start losing your grip. The next thing you know, you're not hanging on to God anymore. That's not how it works. Instead, we are here and God holds on to us and He will never let go. Not in this life or in all of eternity. If you are Christ, you cannot lose that standing before Him. Ephesians 1 tells us that we, are already, uh, receive, we have already received the spiritual blessings that are in the heavenly places. Ephesians 2 tells us we're already seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And there's nothing that can, that can pull us out of that position in Him. He saves you. You don't save yourself. Therefore, you cannot lose your salvation. This is because of the new birth. When we become believers, the new birth happens to us. We are given new hearts. And we are changed forever. 
John 1 tells us that we were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He is the one who initiates and he's the one who saves us. That's why you can have assurance of salvation. You know, we can also know that we're not going to lose our salvation because he's going to finish what he starts. Philippians 1.6 says that I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know how many things I've started and not finished? Lots. <laughs> I bought a postal Jeep in college to work on. Um, I worked on it once, sold it for scrap three years later for less than I bought it for. There's a tennis racket in my closet that's gotten used twice. I've worked on a rain barrel for my garden. In fact, it's done, and it's been in my garage now for a year and a half, ready to be put out. Um, How about the half dozen writing projects that I've started? None of them have made past the third paragraph. Or the broken down sailboat that's sitting in my backyard. Uh, You know, with all that rain that we had in June, the the tires are basically down in the mud. I'm going to need a tractor to get that thing out. God isn't like that, y'all. He doesn't start something and not finishing it. If he started something in you, if he has saved you, if he has sent his son to die for you, then he's going to finish that work. Period. Full stop. You can take that one to the bank. He's going to complete it. He's going to complete it. Other thing, though, is that ultimately I think um, assurance of salvation is deeply rooted in the biblical doctrine of election and predestination. Now, there are fewer topics in this world amongst evangelical believers that get your blood up one way or the other than this doctrine, right? But do you know that the, the real security that we have in Christ is the fact that He saves us. And He has written in His book of life, from the foundation of the world, in His blood, the names of His people. And there's no eraser in this world that will take it out. Romans 8, 29 through 30 help us a lot here. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. I love this last word in this, in this paragraph here, glorified. It's in the past tense, and yet it refers to something that's going to happen in the future. Glorification is what happens when Christ comes again and the dead shall rise out of their graves and those who know Jesus will receive their, their soul and the body be joined together in all things be made new. And Paul here writes it as if it has already happened in the past tense. Why? Because God from all of eternity has saved His people and He will never let them go in eternity future. We cannot lose our salvation. So the P... The promises of God. When you doubt, look to the promises of God. The second is a C, P-C-I, C. That is a changed life. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, when He gives us a new birth, everything changes. Have you ever been around a new believer? It's exciting. Especially if you knew Him beforehand. Because you really know what's going on, right? Something's different. John Matthew uh, has a saying that I've heard from many of your lips. Is that, you know, it's like one day you like pancakes and the next day you like waffles or something along those lines. I think that's what he used to say. That's what happens when the new birth happens to us, when we are born again. We receive the Spirit in Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, Old Testament text, wonderful text about what happens when the Spirit invades our hearts, He changes everything. 
Jesus or the Lord says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you should be clean from all, I don't know how to say this word, all your uncleannesses, all your uncleannesses. And from your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. When we become believers, when we are born again, God takes a heart of stone that wants nothing to do with the Lord, He rips it out, and He puts a new heart, a heart of flesh that will beat after Him, and everything changes in our lives. And with that, with this changed life, this new changed heart, comes victory over sin. Now, we're going to struggle with sin to the day we go to be with the Lord. But I'm talking about victory over sin. Romans 6 tells us that Christ has won the victory already and that sin no longer has dominion over you. That's why as believers in Christ, we can say no to sin and we will say no to sin as Christ works in us. When we become believers, we have a new love of the Lord, His, His Word and His people. Um, I love, to to paraphrase C.S. Lewis, he he said, For the believer, God is no longer the policeman, someone to be feared and avoided because you are guilty. Instead, He is your loving Father, your God and rescuer, who loves you and cares for you. There's a new love for the Lord. There's a new love for His Word. Because for once you have the Holy Spirit, and you can read the Bible and understand anything out of it. You have a love for His people. It's a false dichotomy that you would be born again and not love God's people. In fact, First uh, John tells us that that doesn't work. If you don't love people, you don't love the Lord. And for the covenant community, for those who are born again, it is first and foremost uh, God's people, the local church. He gives us a new affections and desires and loves. He changes what we like. Sure, we still struggle with the flesh. We do. But we struggle with the flesh because we know what's right. Whereas before, we didn't care. And the fruit of the Spirit began to be evident in our lives. We begin to see the buds of, uh, I can't do it unless I sing it, um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things start budding up. Those things don't come from us. They come from the Spirit. When you're doubting your salvation, think of a P. Think of the promises of God. That's where your hope is. Think about what the changed life that you have. Think about how you're, you're not like you used to be. Things are different. And think about I, the inner testimony of the Spirit. This, this for the believer is the most precious one. This is the most precious one. That, that the Holy Spirit would convince you in your heart that you belong to God. Romans 8, 16 says this, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It's a direct work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's a little bit mysterious, not sure how it happens, but the Spirit who lives inside of us confirms that we belong to God. I love what James Montgomery Boyce said in his commentary on Romans 8. He said, haven't you ever had such an experience? An overwhelming sense of God's presence? Or haven't you at some point, perhaps at many points in your life, been aware that God has come upon you in a special way? There's no doubt whatever that what you're experiencing is from God. 
You may have been moved to tears. You may have been deeply felt. You may have deeply felt some other sign of God's presence by which you were certainly moved to a greater and more wonderful love for Him. Those are real blessing moments, aren't they? As you perhaps read read your Bible and the Lord just really impresses on you a, a, a new understanding of that text you've never seen before. You begin to see and be reminded of His love for you. PCI, promises of God, a changed life, the inner testimony of the Spirit. But how are we to grow in our assurance of salvation? You know, I think, I think Scripture's pretty clear here. The primary way in which we grow in assurance uh, is by the means of grace. Word, sacraments, and prayer. And when we uh, forsake those things, then it negatively impacts our assurance of salvation. You know, when you were dating, how did you know you liked someone? And how did you know they liked you? You spent time with them. You're reminded of your affections for the other person, their affection for you. And the same when we spend time with the Lord and His Word and the sacraments and prayer, that we are reminded of His love for us. And the Spirit uses those things in our hearts to confirm our relationship with Him, to grow us in His grace. Indeed, next week we'll be taking the Lord's Supper. What a great physical reminder that God shed His blood for me. The waters of baptism as, as we were reminded that He washes away our sin. Or in the Word where we read the truth that we would say no to the lies of the world and to the, the devil that we don't belong to God. But that we would be reminded that we are precious and that we've been adopted and we belong to Him. And how do we communicate to Him our worries? How do we communicate to Him our doubts? How do we communicate to Him when we're having a bad day? It's through prayer. But we need the church. We need the church. We need to be reminded when we gather together to hear the preach and read word, to be encouraged by one another, to to stir up each other to good works, even as the day comes closer and closer, Hebrews tells us. That we would not forsake the gathering of believers. It's just like a coal that has gotten removed from the fire. It, It won't burn brightly or for long. So we need each other be encouraged and be reminded of who the Lord is, to hold each other up, to encourage one another. God blesses our private time in the Lord, but He especially blesses the preached Word, not because you got a good preacher or a bad preacher, but because the Lord uses His Spirit, sends forth His Spirit for the reading and preaching of His Word. But I think another one is an important thing for, for remaining strong and assurance of salvation is is, is having short accounts with God. When we sin and we don't turn to the Lord immediately, Satan will use that. Real believers don't do that. They don't struggle with that. If the world knew, if God really knew, I'm not sure Jesus died for that one. Those are all lies that you'll hear. But when we keep short accounts with God, we are reminded when we return to Him of His love for us. Of His love for us. I remember when I was a kid, uh, um, 
you know, my parents have started reading, listening to my sermons, and so I have to be careful what I say now. Uh, but uh, when I was a kid, I, I, I'd, I'd used to, I was moving my bike through the um, house, and uh, I'd accidentally gotten a tire mark on the wall, and I was just, I was sure that my mother would be very upset, and so I just kind of avoided her. Um, you know, she found out later, I mean, you know, there's a big tire mark on the wall, and the bikes in the hall, so it's kind of easy to figure that one out. And she came and said, Parker, why did you, you tell me? I wouldn't have been upset about this. We, were, we return to the Lord, y'all, He's already taken care of the punishment we deserve. Romans 8, 1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. And he loves to hear from us. We return and, 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 and run to Him. Do you struggle with assurance of salvation? Uh, some people don't. Some people don't, and some people do. Uh, we can know whether we're saved or not. And in different seasons, um, you may struggle with that more than others. And know that's okay. But also know that you don't have to stay there. That Jesus has made it real clear that He, he loves you. And if you're His, nothing can change that. And if you turn to Him and remind, remind yourself of PCI, promises of God... Change life, inward testament of the spirits, and pursue him through his word, sacraments, and prayer within the context of the church, keeping short accounts with him. He will grow you in that. But if you don't know him, I pray you'd know him today. Because there is this blessing and many more that the believer enjoys until the Lord comes and takes all these shadows away. And the morning dawns and we spend eternity with him in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. That our salvation is not based on good or bad days, upon our fickle hearts, upon our emotions, uh, Father, but upon the promises of God, what you have done for us. Help us, Lord, and grow us in the assurance of salvation. Pray all these things in the name of our Savior. Amen.